thank God for AC in Houston, Texas. If you're new with us, uh, my name is Chris Payne. I'm the lead pastor here. Very happy to be back with you today. Last week, we had Ji Yoon, one of our elders, speak and go through John chapter 9. Yeah, he did an awesome job last week. It's very thankful for him. He's doing our baptism class right now. But uh, I'm happy to be back uh, with you today as we get in the Bible together. Again, if you're new, we're going through the book of John. We call it the, the book of John, or the gospel of John, the letter that John wrote, one of Jesus' closest, tightest disciples. And he wrote this gospel, this good news about who Jesus was. And we are going through this verse by verse, step by step throughout the whole summer. So if you've missed anything, you can check out our app, our podcast, our website, so that you can be a part of what we're doing here by going through the gospel of John. Today, this is part 12, and we are in John chapter 10. Before we get there, though, and open the scripture, let me ask you this question. I want you to raise your hand, and I want you to be honest with me as much as you can. I know some people hate this when they have to raise their hand. I promise I won't embarrass you. You will embarrass yourself. So here's the question. Have you ever done one of those personality tests online or on Facebook before? Yeah, almost everybody, everybody else is lying. You know, you found out which Harry Potter character you are. Maybe if you're like, you can't say Harry Potter in church, uh, then it's okay. We actually are, are not anti that. But Lord of the Rings character you are, whatever character you are. We've all done that, and we've all had or had some type of personality. And the personality tests are so big and popular, and I, I think they're great. I mean, we do them a lot. I've done disc tests, done Myers-Briggs, Strength Finders, Enneagram. Anybody Enneagram? Yeah, I'm a seven, so there you go. You can judge me all you want. And so we, we understand kind of each other and then understand other people and understand ourselves. And I think it could be very helpful. If you've ever done one of those tools, maybe you've done one with like, animals. And I found one with uh, using kind of Myers-Briggs or the 16 personality types. And you could like figure out which animal you are. So maybe you're a bear or what does the fox say or octopus or an owl or some of us are dogs. And some of you ladies are going, yeah, that dude's a dog. And so maybe you're like me. I, I, I'm an ENFP. So is my wife. We like married the same person. We just think we're so great. We wanted to marry someone just like us. We're both ENFPs. We've been married 19 years. It's, we're holding it down. It's good. But we're both dolphins, you know, whatever that means, enthusiastic, creative, we'll see, engaging. You can judge that later. We all have like these everything, whale, seahorse. Here's, here's another one maybe if you know your personality type. We've got otters and beavers and pandas and honeybees and elephants, ants, meerkat, whale, all of these different animals that have certain personality traits that we could say, oh, that's kind of like me, yeah. And it's helpful. I think it's interesting to think about that. So if you're like an ant, you know, it might be good to know an elephant, but be careful, right? Um, you might get stepped on. And we all know these different people. And you could probably sit there and go, the people that I work with or my family members, they're this, they're that. And we all do that with all of these personality tests. And it's interesting. Today, as we get in the scripture today, Jesus is going to relate with us and give us an animal that we are all like. And he calls us pretty much all the same, which is, you know, a little mean, Jesus. But he's God, so he could probably do that. He might know something about us we don't know and the characteristic and the animal that he has chosen. Not a bear, not a lion, not a dog, not a cat, but a sheep. 
And he looks at all of us and says, this is the number one characteristic I would name in an animal to describe every person in this room. To describe all of us. In fact, when the scripture talks about sheep, it'll often talk about a flock. And a shepherd of a flock, I got the opportunity to go to Israel um, again this last summer. And we were going through the book of John. It was a study tour to be able to bring this back and talk to you guys and speak with our tour guide named Arie Bar-David, who's an amazing, amazing man, knows the Bible better than any of us, all of us put together, just an amazing guy. And he has a lot of friends that are shepherds, that are Bedouin shepherds, and he's got to spend a lot of time with them. And he'll share that when the Bible refers to a flock, see, we don't know this because we have dogs and we have cats. Some of you have cats, and I'm, I'm sorry. But we, those of us that have dogs, God bless you. And so uh, everybody got offended. But different kind of animals, we're not really as familiar with sheep and with shepherding. Not many of us have sheep. Um, and so he tried to explain to us what it is that when you have a flock, because the, the Scripture God would even call Israel, or now also the church, the flock. And pastors are like shepherds, but we're not the main shepherd, because the main shepherd, the chief shepherd, is Jesus. And he calls himself in this passage we're about to go through, the good shepherd. And he is the chief shepherd. But every flock would have a chief shepherd, which typically would be the father. And then they would have under shepherds, which would be their children, and so the, the people actually out, if you, Christmas time, and the shepherds are out there, and, and you know, you see Christmas plays, and they got the long beard. That's typically not. The shepherds were even sometimes just little girls or teenage boys that are actually shepherding the flock under their dad's ultimate care as he's putting them and placing them where they should be. But then there's not just sheep. You go to this next slide. In every flock, we are all like sheep. Jesus says, and God calls us, but there's not only sheep that are characteristically known for being very dumb, very dumb. In fact, they would wander quite a bit, and the shepherd would have to go and find them, and if they kept wandering and just leaving, he would have to literally break their legs, throw them on his shoulders, take them back to the flock. And you know that sheep is going, I thought you loved me. Why are you breaking me? And he said, I'm doing it for your protection. I'm doing it to bring you back because you keep wandering off. Sheep are dumb. But the flock also has donkeys. And donkeys' job in a flock was to carry the equipment and have the specific tools and things that the whole flock needed. And they, were, they would carry those things. They would do that. And some in a church we, ha we are all sheep ultimately, but some of us take on a characteristic of a donkey and we can carry more weight than other people. You're able to carry maybe more responsibility within the context of the church. There are also goats. And goats, typically when we think about scripture, we think like the sheep and the goats and the goats are bad. But every flock needed some goats because goats ultimately in the flock helped the flock move forward. The goat's job was to push the flock and go places the sheep normally wouldn't go. So for instance, if the shepherd is taking sheep up on a mountain and they're circling this mountain and they're getting 
their daily bread, they're getting their sustenance for the day, the goat typically would help push the sheep forward as they were not wanting to go forward or they're just staying in one spot. The goat would go forward and push them and do stuff that they don't want to do. Many of you guys have goats in your workplace. Sheep are just, okay. And the goats are like, no, we need to do it this way. But, 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 anybody know anybody like that? And they're not all bad. In fact, they do help push us and take us places we normally don't want to do because we get too comfortable. The problem with goats is they have the ability to climb up the mountain and go places the sheep can't, but the sheep start following them and they'll fall down the mountain. And so the shepherd has these tools. He has a, this crook and the staff that he could pull the sheep back and lead them, but he also has a slingshot. And the slingshot is not just for the wolves and the, and the lions and the bears and those things. He's actually also used to keep the goats in line. So if the goat is going off and a, and a helpless little sheep is starting to follow him and he's going too much. Because, see, goats want to say, you know, I don't want to go this way. We should do it this way. It's faster. It's better. It's more efficient. But they can lead all of the flock in the wrong direction. And not the vision that the shepherd wants. The shepherd has to get the slingshot and he throws it and he hits the goat between the temple and they die. Just kidding. That's not what happened. So he actually, <laughs> that's what you want to do with goats. Because after a while, come on. But because the value of the goats are very much needed. He actually slings it and just right in front of his face. So that goat is climbing up, going up the mountain, and all of a sudden, whoosh, a rock right in front of his face. And he's like, oh, and he gets back in line with his sheep. And now he's a sheep again. Until a few hours, and he goes, oh, we can go this way. And then the shepherd has to do it again. And again, they help and they push, but they also have to be controlled and ultimately submitted to the shepherd. So goats are needed. Dogs. Are needed. The dogs are the ones that corral the sheep. The dogs are also the ones that are looking out for the whole flock. See, because sheep are helpless and defenseless, as we're going to show, but they have rectangular pupils, and they can see almost 360 degrees. But the problem is they can't do anything if an enemy comes. They're helpless, and so the dogs help the shepherds see and look for enemies. And a lot of times in a church, in a flock, you need dogs as well. You need people like goats that'll push us to go places we don't necessarily want to go, but then they've got to come back in line, but then we need dogs that are looking out and warning in case something is going wrong. But here's the thing, the dog grows up with the sheep and he thinks he's a sheep. And the shepherd treats him like a sheep and the goat has to get in line like the sheep. Ultimately, the donkey is with the sheep because we're all really, the characteristic Jesus gives us is a sheep. Thanks, Jesus. Appreciate that. Interesting story. New story I actually found out of Turkey that says this. Hundreds of sheep followed their leader off a cliff in eastern Turkey, plunging to their death this week, while shepherds looked on in dismay. 400 sheep fell 15 meters to their deaths in a ravine but broke the fall of another 1,100 animals who survived. Shepherds from a nearby village neglected the flock while eating breakfast. Bad shepherds. Leaving the sheep to roam free, and what are sheep going to do? 
The loss to the local farmers estimated at $74,000. So picture this, one sheep that was leading wandered off the cliff. The rest of them went, oh, that looks fun. 1,499 others followed along. Can you picture that? Get this picture. I don't have the picture. 1,500 sheep, each walking off a cliff, one after another. Soon they were piled so deep that the ones at the bottom were crushed to death, and the ones on top were laying on a big, downy, soft pillow called a sleep number bed, right? (laughs) This is what sheep do. Thank you, Jesus. Let's get in the word and see what he says. Verse 1, chapter 10, Jesus comes in. And a little background, he has healed a man born blind. Before that, he called himself God. He said, before Abraham was Yahweh, I am. Not I was, I am. And people were ready to kill him. This idea that Jesus was just a lovely, awesome guy, and he was. The idea that he was just super, super nice, and he was. But people wanted to kill him for the words that came out of his mouth, too. He was dangerous, not just nice. They were ready to kill him. They picked up stones and he got away because his time had not yet come. He heals a man blind on his way. And then he starts teaching them. And we pick up what he continues to teach. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of a stranger. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, John says, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. They're sheep. They don't get it. They don't understand. Let me show you what a sheepfold looks like or a sheep pen would look like. You could picture this or even a cave. Sometimes there would be a cave and it would be maybe an old cistern, but the shepherds would use it to get some shade and be able to keep the the sheep in there. And there would be an opening on top where thieves could try to come in while the shepherd's asleep and pull out the sheep, but not through the door. You could see this opening would be the door. And Jesus says, and he's talking to people that understand this mentality and what is a shepherd. In fact, talking to the religious people who God called throughout the Old Testament shepherds of Israel, leaders of Israel, and constantly having to rebuke them because they were just going after their own way. They were just sacrificing the sheep for their own goodness putting them through bad things. And God's saying, you're false shepherds. You're bad shepherds. And he comes in, Jesus says, I am a good shepherd. 
And I'm a good shepherd. The shepherd typically would put them in maybe for the night or to, to store the sheep. He would know them by name. They knew his voice so well, even though they were so dumb. They knew their shepherd's voice and they would listen to it. In fact, if there were multiple flocks around and multiple shepherds, and even though there would be hundreds of sheep, the one shepherd could call out and all those sheep that are his would leave that and follow him. They knew his voice. And he would lay here as a door, as the gate, where no one could come in except he let them in and no sheep could go out unless he led them out to pasture, to eat, to take care of them, to get them fat so that they could produce something ultimately for the shepherd of the people that he is tending to. He would be the door and Jesus is going to call himself that. Now, I want to show you an example that I found that helps us. Again, we have to talk a little bit more about this because we don't get this concept. We're not first century Jews. So let me show you a video of a shepherd, and you're going to hear people trying to call in the sheep and the sheep not hearing their voice. And then we'll hear the shepherd. <laughs> One more time. bright orange jumpsuit might help, but <laughs> my sheep hear my voice. Imagine growing up seeing that. The voice of the stranger, they don't follow, as we saw. They recognize my voice. Why? Because the shepherd knows the sheep is intimate with the sheep in the sense that he named and he would give each one of them a name. They would have a call. They would know his voice. He would have them. He would hold them. He would pat them down and check for blemishes and help them, shepherd them and take them to food and water and take care of them. 
Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. Verse 7, Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved, and I will go in and out and find pasture. You know how exclusive Jesus is being right now? He's talking to the leaders of Israel who know the scripture, a lot of them by memory, knowing all the scripture about the shepherds of Israel, God being the ultimate chief shepherd in the flock, and Jesus is putting himself in that position and says, all the other people that have tried to come before me are simply thieves and they don't listen to him, but I am the real shepherd. No one no one gets by me to get to the sheep or goes out apart from me. There's an exclusivity to him. Verse 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they, the sheep, may have life and have it abundantly. Why did Jesus come? What is his mission to give life? This word in the Greek is zoe kind of life, the God kind of life, the life you're really wanting, the life you're really looking for, but it only comes by following and trusting the shepherd because you're helpless in and of yourself. I am the good shepherd. Not only he says, I am the light of the world as we've seen, I am the good shepherd. I am the door. He is making these vast statements that is going to get them riled up because they understand what he's saying. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He says just a hired hand is not taking ownership of the sheep. He's, not a, he's just doing it for the money. Like if you were a clerk at a 7-Eleven and someone came in and wanted to rob the place, I would advise you making $8 an hour that it's probably not worth it to dive in front of the gun and take the guy on. I mean, maybe you're awesome, and maybe you have those skills, but if it was me, I'd be like, $8 an hour, I know they got insurance, let me help you. <laughs> Put the gun down. I will not fight. If you're the owner of the place, you would have a different mentality. Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. I'm the owner. Everyone else was just looking out for themselves, but not me. And he says, you know why I'm good? Because I'll lay down my life for the sheep. They would have understood this because the shepherd literally is anytime a lion or anything came around, like we see David shepherding his flock and defeating the bears, but he's putting himself on the line for those sheep. And Jesus says, that's me. He moves on. Verse 13. He, 
the hireling, flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. This word know is in the Greek gnosko, which is an intimate type of know, knowledge. Knowledge through experience, not just through understanding a personality or an Enneagram test, but experiential knowledge. I know them. Verse 15, just as the Father knows, I'm intimate with the Father, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. Some people who don't understand history at all think this means like there's aliens out there. It's not talking about aliens, please. He's talking about the sheep of Israel, but there's other sheep, which would be the Gentiles. You and me, anybody not Jewish. He's talking about us, if you're not Jewish. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also. And they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. It can be demeaning that God refers to us, Jesus refers to us as sheep. And yet it's helpful to know this and you imagine being a human and looking down at a sheep. Imagine God as far as the heavens is from the earth. That's as far as we can even fathom understand God. And yet he calls us sheep, but he loves us and he takes care of us and he's good. But why does he call us sheep? Let me give you some reasons based on the characteristics of sheep. God calls us sheep, number one, because sheep weren't made to carry burdens. Sheep are not burden-carrying animals. And some of us in here think we're a horse. Think we're an oxen that could carry the burdens, and I got this. And God says, I didn't make you to carry those burdens. In fact, Psalm 55 says, cast your burdens on the Lord, and he will sustain you. He's the shepherd. When you're filled with anxiety and the weight of the world is on your shoulders, God is saying, I didn't create you to carry it. That doesn't mean you shirk responsibility, but you've got to trust me and give it to me because I'm a good shepherd. God calls us sheep because sheep aren't able to defend themselves. Psalm 94, 22 says, the Lord is my defense and my God is the rock of my refuge. We like sheep are not able to defend ourselves. They have no claws. They have no armor. They are absolutely and totally dependent on the shepherd being good and taking up their defense. If they wander off, they're in big trouble. And many of us maybe have had so many bad things happen to us. And sometimes God does allow that. God doesn't promise you a, an easy, storm-free life. But he does promise a storm-proof life. 
The storm will come, Jesus says. But if you're built on the rock, if you trust in the shepherd. But see, some of us have been in storms because we've wandered so far. And Jesus, thank God you're here. He has brought you out. But don't you dare just say he's not a good shepherd. He's good because he brought you back. He brought you in. Maybe sometimes it's our responsibility or our culpability that has gotten us to that place. And us thinking, well, I got this, God. You know, it's easy to pick off. We love watching Serengeti right now. My wife just loves this show uh, on the Animal Channel. You see the, the gazelle that wanders off, the weak one that wanders off. It's the one in packs that get away. But that one that wanders off, the thief, the enemy, knows and comes in and destroys them. God calls us sheep because sheep can't find their own way. Isaiah 53, 6 through 8 says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. Sheep get lost and they cannot find, they're like vertigo. They cannot find their way back. The shepherd must come and leave the 99 and go after them. And bring them back into the sheepfold. They're helpless. God calls us sheep because sheep are content with whatever satisfies. It's really scary because a sheep, even if it finds a dirty, nasty, germ-infested puddle, it will just drink and drink and drink. And that's why the scripture says, as David is speaking like a sheep, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want He makes me lie down. Sometimes God has to make you lie down. Even if he has to break you to get you to be still. Makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still water. See, sheep would get into a river and just get taken away. Or get and drink these bad, ugly, nasty, death-filled waters. And the shepherd, the good shepherd, leads them to still living water. If you trust him. But it's so easy to go. But no, if we go this way, it would be much better. He restores my soul. Look at this. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Let me show you this picture of the paths that it's referring to. When you're in Israel, you can see sheep. And you can see, I don't know if you can see the dirt paths very well. But imagine this is a mountain and it circles. And what the shepherds do is actually lead them on these paths. And we use the word paths, but it's a, it's a wrong interpretation. The actual Hebrew word is circles of righteousness. He leads me in circles around the mountain. Not just a path, but a circle. And when scholars are going, circles don't make sense. But when you go to Israel, you see the circles that have been there hundreds, if not thousands of years, that the shepherds lead the sheep to. And the reason why they do that is they don't take them straight up the mountain to eat whatever because they would gain all this muscle. And they don't want them to gain a bunch of muscle. They want them to get fat. And they want them to go at the right pace. And the shepherd is leading them up the mountain, but he's just going the way that maybe the goats don't want to go. Maybe the sheep would go, it'd be much faster if we just did this. And the shepherd goes, No, this is the path. Trust me. Some of you guys are going on circles in your life and you think you're going nowhere and God's going, we're going up that mountain. You gotta trust me. I'm leading you. We're trying to get the most out of your circumstance right now. We're trying to get the most out of your life right now. You're going to eat on both sides, but you got to trust me. Don't try to take shortcuts. Don't try to do it your own way. Lean not on your own understanding. Trust me, and you lead me in circles of righteousness. 
I'm going to trust you along the way. Some of us in here have a hard time believing that Jesus is a good shepherd. But God calls us sheep because sheep need a shepherd. If you're a cat lover, God bless you. One of our elders is a huge cat lover, and I still love them. It's hard, but I'm just following Jesus in circles. Cats don't need you to stay alive. You know that, right? They could clean themselves. They're, they're good. As long as you don't declaw them, like they got this. Dogs don't really need you. Not a lot of animals need you. Sheep need a shepherd. And God has to remind us, you're not built for your own glory. You're not built for your own authority. In fact, if it's not God that you submit to, you're gonna submit to somebody or something, whether it's an addiction or a personality or a person, but are they good? And Jesus says, everyone else is out to rob you in some way because they don't have the capability to carry and do and defend the way the shepherd does. Sheep are the only animals that really need a shepherd, but this is also true. They have a shepherd. And God has the ability to take care of you. How can we trust that Jesus is a good shepherd? Verse 17, Jesus says this, for this reason, the Father loves me. Why? Because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me. All these people have been trying to kill me. It's not my time because only when I come and just surrender myself, only when I give it up is it time. That's how powerful Jesus is. No one takes it from me, but I willingly lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to pick it up. Jesus was not killed. He submitted to the murdering. No one has the power to take anything from Jesus. He only gives what he's willing to give. And imagine that he was willing to give it. This charge I have received from my father. There was again division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he has a demon and he is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who's oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Here's my final point. The reason why you can trust that Jesus is a good shepherd because our shepherd became a sheep. Imagine looking down on these dumb sheep and having the ability, well, I'm going to become like them. Isaiah 53 prophesied of God becoming a sheep and says this, He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before it shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. John 1, as we read several weeks ago, John the Baptist sees Jesus says, Behold, look the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. 
why is he a good shepherd? How can we know? Because so many things in my life, I don't understand why I'm going through this circle, why I'm going on this path, and it doesn't seem like I've got just knee deep in alfalfa grass. I've just got a little bit to sustain me here and a little bit here, but I feel like if I go that way, God, things will get better. How can I know he's a good sheep or a good shepherd because I don't feel like things are going good, things are hard. I know because he became a sheep. Because he willingly became like me and gave up his life without even saying a word submitted to the death so that I could truly live and have abundant life. He is a good shepherd. I think there's a lot of people in this room that have a hard time because of maybe circumstances in your life go, okay, is God good? Because, or, or, or even how can God love me like that? Like that sounds good, preacher guy, but how can God, he can't love me because if, if you knew, if he understood what I did and I'm not worthy and he, he couldn't forgive this. I think we all struggle with these thoughts, especially when it think, seems like things aren't going well. Imagine this, imagine Jeff Bezos, he's the owner of Amazon, richest man alive, $121 billion rich. Imagine if he came to you, befriended you, got to know you and said, I want to pay off all your debt. Some of you guys are like, hallelujah. Would you, to somebody like that, look at him and say, I, just, I don't think you understand how much I have. I don't think you can handle it. Let me, let me help you. In, in 2018, during Jeff Bezos, one of his greatest seasons of income, he was making about $231,000 per minute. That's $3,850 a second. Now, you can't handle my debt. You don't understand. I've got this student loan. It's like a pet. It's just been around. $3,850 a second. Jeff would go, no, I'm good. It's nothing. And yet we can look at God and say, I just don't know if God loves me. I don't know if he has the ability to forgive me. Even worse, there's no way he could forgive that dude. You know what he's done? You don't understand the boss I have. You don't understand the people I have. You don't understand my family member. And to God, Jeff Bezos is a sheep. And he's a shepherd. He's the one that with a word said, let there be light. And there was. To not submit to that. To not say, yes, God, you're able. And not only able, Jesus says, willing, I lay down my life, no one takes it. That's, if I'm going to follow a shepherd, which all of us do, I'm going to follow that one. Because he's not in it for himself. He's in it for the glory of God. And the glory of God is to bring me back to himself, to redeem me. Wow. And when we stand church services and we stand and we go I'm struggling and I don't know if God can God's going kidding me my supply 
of love, of grace, forgiveness, of goodness. It's more than you can imagine. He's willing and he's able. Why don't you stand to your feet?